Welcome to Season 18, Cognitive Mechanics, uh, the Heart Temple. The Heart Temple. You know, I'm a member of the Heart Temple, which is uh, pretty fascinating if you think about it. So, the Heart Temple. We, we finished last, last month on uh, the Soul Temple, the Soul Temple being the temple that focuses primarily on uh, character, etc., and how important that is. And, uh, yeah, character is pretty important. It's also kind of interesting to note that while the Soul Temple may be, like, the most abstract of the temples, it's also technically the most masculine of the temples and definitely provides the base blueprint for the entire soul of the human race, which is utterly fantastic. But the heart temple, the heart temple is, well, it's a lot different, like way different. Everyone's like, where's your Mohawk? Where's your Mohawk? It's not here this week. Probably be here next week. Who knows? Depends what my mood is. So yeah, um, you know, because I say that, you know, you guys just know by default personality database is absolutely correct and type me an ESTJ or an ENFP or whatever the hell else they think they can do. Oh, also like, don't forget that um, the guided mode for uh, the UCHA test is going to be released very soon. Uh, guided mode. So check that out. It's going to be it's be great when it's released. We will mail everybody when it is released, but you're not going to want to miss it. It's kind of an important announcement. I know I'm the lecture here, but like seriously, it's bitchin'. It is a bitchin' test. Uh, we've been doing a lot of field testing with it in the field, and for the most part, people are able to come up with the correct answer completely on their own in a way less complicated uh, manner. All it does is present four questions to the user and they answer the four questions and they typically get a, a correct answer. This literally will be the best personality test on the internet. No other test will come close compared to ours. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about that entire prospect. And it's gonna bring the test accuracy into the 90 plus percent accuracy percentile, I, I believe from where we are now with like Pareto principle, just under 80% or just over 80% as we get more users. And right now we have 10,000 people who are actually using Ucha, which is awesome. We're gonna be changing uh, the subscription structure of it very soon. So uh, keep in mind, uh, yes, field testing in the field because there's subfields that could also be tested too. So this is like my mobile setup. By the way, guys, like my mobile setup is awesome. And all it is, like, I got one of these, you know, and this powers a power strip for a surge protector. And then, and then that is connected to an anchor, uh, which, and that anchor connects to my, my laptop basically which has the phone connected to it and it is also connected to an ipad for a second screen and a wireless mouse it's it, it's pretty amazing um you know what modern technology has been able to do and given you know 5g phones the ability to live stream directly from a phone 
or get on a network or maybe even use a mobile Starlink. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome to be able to uh, live stream in this capacity anywhere I am. You guys would have enjoyed uh, me live streaming from the Subaru recently. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was great to be able to live stream from the Subaru. I'm going to be doing that a lot more uh, often. So, yeah. No posture check. Not going to happen. Posture. Not going to happen. All right. So... Anyway, back to the heart temple. So the heart temple, like, yeah, it's ultimately about passion. Really, it's all about passion. But, uh, you know, and hey, we can probably start talking about the Sith. Heart temple is definitely the Sith. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about how, like, the heart temple is all about passion. And, uh, you know, and that's its main purpose. However, like, I, I recently discovered how... That, while that is accurate, there's a lot more to it than just passion, way more to it than, than most people even realize. And I came to the conclusion because I was looking at, you know, just basically how, how fairness is still even something insanely important to the heart temple, not just, um, not just, you know, crusader types, for example. Crusader types, you know, as a as a quadra, definitely care about fairness the most out of everybody, but they use fairness. Um, they may not use fairness, whereas the Hard Temple is the ones who actually use fairness the most. So it's the ENTP and the ISFJ who end up caring about the fairness more than anybody in terms of like creating fairness and keeping fairness and holding fairness, whereas the ESFP and the INTJ side of the Hard Temple are all about using fairness to their advantage they like to keep things fair as well they like to live in a fair state or they would like to live with things being fair and fairness fairness is a really big deal it's a really big deal large temple but but why and this is kind of where the icy sword of truth actually comes from a little bit as well icy sword of truth as wielded by entps and isfjs specifically because the icy sword of truth it ultimately is a bringer of death it is a bringer of death. But when it does bring death, new life can grow. It's like when you burn down a forest, you got new life growing. Or to make it more accurate, which you could you could argue that's like that's the fiery sort of truth, burning down a forest and new life could grow. And maybe I'm not using the right maybe I haven't used the right example when explaining the icy sort of truth this whole time. Because, you know, a lot of people use words in the English language for the same thing to mean the same thing, different words, but they mean the same thing or different meanings for the same word, which is kind of how this interest-based shit language that we have really actually is. But I, I've come to the conclusion that there's a different example that could be utilized to explain the icy sort of truth. And yes, this is very relevant to the lecture, so please continue to listen. Um... So the situation is like, what about pruning? What about pruning? You know, have you guys ever been on like a vineyard and, you know, they're, they're growing grapes on the vines and whatnot, but sometimes vines die. And if they don't, if they don't kill or if they don't cut off the dead vines off of the live vines, then those vines will not produce very much fruit or that dead part can actually threaten the entire vine and may act, you'll get no fruit because the entire vine could die. 
sometimes you just have to cut it off. Or it's like cauterizing a wound. Or more accurately, sometimes you just have to cut a limb off in order to save the entire body because you'll get gangrene and you're just going to die, basically. So that's one of the uh, one of the very bad situations that comes as a result. Really big deal. So pruning, basically cutting out the cancer, cutting out the dead, so that what is alive can actually be saved, right? And this is very central to the heart temple in of its own right. Very central to the heart temple. Because if you think about it, the heart temple itself, through the vehicle of fairness and unfairness, fairness versus unfairness, um, the heart temple literally is the like the CPU or the process with which life itself is created and life itself is also destroyed, basically. Um, that is an additional hidden purpose behind passion or NI, the fire of NI, since the heart temple serves at the feet of introvert intuition, which is the fire function. And sometimes things just need to be burned down so that new life can grow. Sometimes things need to be pruned in order to save the body. But how does this how does this correlate to fairness versus unfairness? Like, what does that matter? Because here's the thing. The only thing fair about life is that life is unfair. Or look at it this way. Because the only thing fair about life is that life is unfair, that must mean then that life could not exist without unfairness. Which means if life was fair, there would only be death. There'd only be death because the only thing fair in life is death. If you think about it, if you actually really truly think about it, the only thing fair in life is death. You know, love, loving someone, that's unfair. You're giving them special treatment. Shouldn't you be giving special treatment to everybody? But you can't. So then if you're forced to give love to everyone in the world, which you can't physically do or no one can actually do, no one can mentally do that either, not in any meaningful way, then it's a dead love. It's death. It's fair. So it's dead. So fairness leads to death. Unfairness leads to life. Life ultimately is an aspect of special treatment. Ultimately, that's what it really, uh, that's literally what it is. So y'all need to understand like, you know, that this, this very, very important concept when it comes to the heart temple is that Passion is amazing. Passion brings and it creates life, but it is also a bringer of death at the same time. Very, very much the same time. So based on that, I'm going to uh, read the Sith code to you all right now. Code of the Sith on Wikipedia. Yay. All right. So peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. And I is a very uh, pragmatic function. It's not really an affiliative uh, function. And and I being the function that the heart temple serves upon, it makes a lot of sense because this is literally what it's for. This is really what it does. You know. A lot of people have a hard time where I talk about, you know, possibly, you know, becoming a conqueror of some kind, you know, because like, because here's the reality, like I have such a high passion for certain people in my life, people above others, basically, that I'm willing to 
work really hard for the success of those people. And I don't care if that causes other people to have failure or a worse life. I don't care. So like my family, my gang, um, my crew, you know, this community, I'm definitely going to put all of you and your needs and your wants above everybody else in the world. And if I have to choose between you folks living and everyone else dying, I'm going to choose you folks living naturally. And this is a core principle behind the passion of the pragmatic passion of the heart temple itself. Because if you try to be fair, if you try to be communist, for example, as the NFs love to be, try to be communist, for example, then uh, there's not going to be any life because it's forcing fairness. It's forcing fairness everywhere. And with, with, with fairness, there's no such thing as special treatment. This is why my absolute most favorite book in the world, other than the 50th law, other than how to win friends and influence people, uh, and what was my other absolute most favorite book? I don't entirely, maybe the 48 Laws of Power, but definitely the 50th Law on how to win friends and influence people. But my absolute favorite fiction book of all time is a book is a is a book called The Giver, to the point where I might actually. I might watch The Giver tonight, actually. I saw it was on, like, Amazon Prime or something, so I'm going to go watch it. It's got Jeff Bridges in it. It's totally amazing. Fantastic film. It's a great film. But there's a concept in this um, in this book called Sameness. Sameness, also known as um, fairness. And you can see how all the people living in sameness are basically dead. They're basically zombies. But the people who are not living in sameness, they can actually see color in the world for once because in sameness, there is no such thing as color whatsoever. Because there's color in the world, it's beautiful, but it's unfair. It's a form of special treatment. And that is what the heart temple is all about. It is all about special preferential treatment, passion. So, so yes, as Fib would say, it is unfair that I am better than you. It is what it is. So that's the reality. You know, like I I have no problem giving special treatment to the people I care about. And I think the world needs to really see that that is how the world actually works instead of what instead of people assuming that that's how the world works because that it doesn't work because everyone assumes like, oh, we're going to be communist. We're going to be socialist. The problem is there's no life. Life, life, does, life is harder in those uh, political uh, regimes when, you know, different worldviews between uh, guardians, artisans, intellectuals, and idealists are competing for political power. And at the end of the day, you just have to realize that, like, sorry, communism literally just brings more fairness to the world, making things fair. But when everything is fair, nobody eats, basically. So no one lives. Everybody dies. You know, it, and it literally is actually, you know, if left unchecked, it literally turns into genocide. You know, some people could then offer balance, but there is no way it could be balanced because fairness, if you think about it, is actually something that is very feminine. Fairness is actually very chaotic. Fairness, because it is ultimately 
uh, in the second law of thermodynamics, entropy, everything is decaying into a state of death or, and it is fairly doing so, you see? It's very fair. Its unfairness, however, is what the masculine is able to do by exerting its will upon the cosmos, right? Exerting its will upon the cosmos. And this is why the heart temple is at its core truly masculine. It is a masculine temple because it's all about special treatment. It's all about what I can get. It's all about the universe or if it's me, not the other way around. This is why oftentimes people in the heart temple are often accused of being narcissistic. Because the heart temple in its own right, you could argue, is insanely solipsistic as a result. But let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, our society is falling apart. If we went to war right now, we would be conquered. We need a masculine society in order to win a war. China just banned any type of television that would portray a weak male figure in the home. So Homer Simpson... Peter Griffin, they're all gone. They're not allowed to actually be in their society. It's all completely censored because China is trying to make itself as masculine as possible so that it can compete for global power in the future. To make itself more masculine because the masculine is what ultimately wins wars. And the Heart Temple, as pragmatically passionate as it is, it's so masculine, it represents the... Um, it, it represents, you know, the it, it, it creates life and it destroys life, ultimately. And that, that is like the entire purpose behind passion itself in relation to the heart temple. Without special treatment, there is no life. Without special treatment, uh, you know, and y'all out there, like, you, you leftists or you ignorant right-wingers, I don't care, but like, seriously... All you people out there who complain about special treatment, like, in, from my perspective, get over yourselves. And you're going to end up deserving to be put into the ground six feet under. You will die because of that belief. I promise you. Especially in the coming war. You think war is fair? Do you think the masculine itself is fair? Masculinity is not fair. Masculinity is all about subjugation. A man subjugates a woman, she is subject to him and she better submit or he will replace her. You see, it's no different in war. When men go fight a war, they are to subjugate another people underneath them. They have to bend the knee. So the heart temple is all about that fiery masculine passion and it is ultimately about subjugation. You have to accept this. Not only that, you should participate yourself and embrace it. You should be okay with people giving special treatment. And if you're not getting special treatment, that's actually a problem with you, maybe even with your character. Not because society is screwed up, it's because you yourself are screwed up. And that's how pragmatic the Heart Temple actually is because it's all about what can I do to get special treatment? Or what can I do to be good enough to give special treatment? Because the reality is, is I'm gonna put certain lives above all you people or people outside of this community even there's different levels to it and that's just how it is especially since like me being a man knowing that society is going to sell me down river at any moment and require my life for me and i'm expected to sacrifice my life 
So no, I'm going to conquer society because I'm Heart Temple, and I'm going to subjugate society, and I'm going to change the rules for the benefit of myself and the benefit of those closest to me. Everybody else can get fucked. Seriously, everybody else can go fuck themselves. That is what it means to be Heart Temple. That is also what it means to be masculine. It's a big deal. And if I have to force the society to orbit me in the process, I will. If I get the opportunity, absolutely I will. Make no mistake. And don't expect me to show any mercy either. Probably won't happen. Unless, of course, they're really, really bending the knees so much that their knees are deep into the ground. Then I'll consider it. But that's the reality of the world. Like, the Hard Temple understands survival the fittest more than anyone. And the affiliative itself is a buffer against survival of the fittest, even though survival of the fittest is the most natural law here on planet Earth. The Heart Temple goes out of its way to passionately become fit as possible so that it's always at the top, so that it always has, that it's always ahead of the survival of the fittest, so that it itself will survive, and after it has survived, it will thrive. And the Heart Temple does not care if that means it has to exploit other people in the process. That's what the Heart Temple does, because that exploitation is technically masculine, if you think about it. Anyway, um, Lev said in the chat, uh, quote, Heart Temple users are mostly systematic, which is looking for the best result, even if it means someone has to lose. Not necessarily fair, but definitely special treatment. So, um, but, so yeah, it's all about the best, right? So I just wanted to get that off that my chest before I actually started the lecture. So let's actually start the lecture now, because... I haven't even started yet, of course. All right, so what makes the heart a temple? Quote, temple is a religious and sacred concept for the types within the heart temple. They view the world's problems as stemming from people being out of touch with the latest, the latent passion within them. You know, it's because they're so focused on fairness, right? Would more passion not solve the current meaning crisis in our society? Sure, absolutely would. Burn it down. Burn it to the ground. Burn Western society to the ground. Oh, wait, it's going to burn because Western society was prophesied to be burnt to a crisp in Revelation chapter 17 and also Daniel chapter 8. And I believe Joel chapter 2, maybe Ezekiel chapter. Like, I mean, come on, it's getting there. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've been doing a lot of research on like different prophecies and whatnot. I've been really, really enjoying uh, looking into uh, the lost city of Atlantis uh, basically being discovered in West Africa at the Rakat structure, also known as the Eye of the Sahara. Absolutely uh, beautiful and fantastic situation. That definitely needs to be excavated. Definitely. Got to figure that out because, like, I wonder if there's uh, some lost technology or knowledge that we can learn there or maybe even get access to that the ancient Atlantis language. That would be amazing. If I'm ever a billionaire, I'll definitely uh, fund some ex expeditions, uh, especially with armed guards. So, less, ma uh, less mature types in the Heart Temple believe that everything in the world and in their own personal life would be solved uh, if they and other people had more passion. Yes, it's all about passion, but really, it, it, passion for the purpose of creating unfairness for the purpose of gaining more special treatment, literally. All right. So... ENTPs and ISFJs being expert intuition and expert feeling, they are seeking passion. They can inspire and cultivate passion others, but they are on a lifelong journey to seek, find, and kindle uh, their own uh, internal passion as well. ESFPs and INTJs being introvert intuition and FI are a source of passion. 
They're on a lifelong quest to find the right people and the right mission to share and invest their passion into. They filter the people and tasks in their lives carefully, ensuring that whoever and whatever they invest in can help keep the flame of passion burning. Talk, uh, so like basically, one of, the, one of the, this is one of the reasons why like, you know, ESFPs and INTJs go out of their way to, you know, find treasure. They're on this passionate quest to find treasure or find the things that they are passionate about. And that's really what treasure is to them. It's all about what exactly, what exactly are they passionate about, right? So that's, that's the difference. That's the point. But then they also want to be able to figure out who they can be passionate with and share their treasure with. This is the thing, like, you know, when I'm looking at INTJs and ESFPs, like, I have a really, really hard time uh, with them if they don't have any treasure. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what have you been doing all of your life? Where's your treasure, man? What are the things that you're actually passionate about? I make a huge point of staying away from ESFPs and INTJs specifically who don't have that handle. And if I find myself more passionate than an INTJ or an ESFP, I lose my mind. Like I literally lose my mind to the point where I basically cut them out of my life. Uh, an example of that is uh, if you guys remember Jab, my co-host, he was one of those people. He could he entirely lacked passion. He was just holding me back constantly, not actually being a help and more of an issue. And then as a result, I had to move on from him and I had to take responsibility and just be like, look, man, you and I, like, we just can't be friends anymore. You know, and, and the things that he's passionate about aren't even real. They're not even real. And it's like, I want to have someone in my life who's passionate about things that are actually real, that actually exist. You know, not just some fuzzy pink e-taco from Kentucky. You know. Matthew chapter verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 21 says, you know, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's literally like, like, where it's all about, like, you know, you always know what the ESFP or the INTJ is prioritizing. Because to me, who, who, like, what exactly is my treasure? My personal treasure for my INTJ shadow is basically uh, exemplified through my uh, extroverted feeling child. My extroverted feeling child is like, hey, you know, the people that I care about, they're my treasure. Because the only thing that you could take with you when you die is your relationships with other people, right? And that's kind of where that, that comes from. That's where that what what's that what the, that's what it's all about so let's define passion real quick dictionary.com defines passion as oop, uh, any uh, powerful or compelling emotion or feeling as love or hate an instance or experience of strong love or sexual desire a strong or extravagant fondness enthusiasm or desire for anything passion is literally compulsion as the heart temple embodies the macro introvert intuition the heart temple is pulled or compelled toward a journey of passion or a journey of treasure, just as NI users are in the micro. Um, so, you know, the journey, the journey matters. Three out of the four types uh, within the heart temple, they are progression types. They are movement, right? And it, it really is about a journey of passion. You know, you, you can't just arrive at passion. You have to stay on the journey of passion and towards passion because that is what you are being passionate about. That allows you to have constant, consistent passion in your life so that you can, you know, give special treatment. Choose who you're sharing <coughs> your treasure with, right? That's what it means. So there are two types of passion. 
the first layer is the passion of desire, the heart temple embodying the maxim, the heart wants what the heart wants. You know, just like Selena Gomez singing, the heart wants what it wants. Great song, by the way. I really enjoy it. It's focused on finding places where passion is cultivated and expressed. There is an intrinsic element of performance, such as play, film, music, that, that drives uh, heart temple people. And romance and the possibility of affection. It's all about affection. The second layer of passion is conviction. So obviously the desire side goes on the INTJ ESFP side more so, and the conviction side is more on the ISFJ and the ENTP side. Motivation for self-sacrifice, for enduring pain and suffering for a cause is rarely going to come from mental justification. Uh, so like, you know, a lot of, so, like I, I've often said, you know, like I, you can't help who you love. You just love. It's just, it is what it is. And of course, a heart temple crusader is going to say that. And me saying you can't help who you love is itself actually a conviction. It's a conviction in of its own, in of its own right. You know, so, and a lot of people just don't really understand the implications of that. So, Note that that desire and conviction uh, is one way is one way the combination of wayfarers and crusaders are expressed within the heart temple and the two aspects of passion. Um, just just remember, guys, when we're discussing passion, it's all about fairness and unfairness. Like that's you know, and 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 that's the thing too. That's why like because of like you know the risk of unfairness, you know, and versus fairness. Passion can maybe shallow at times, but it's also deep and uh, cutting to the very root that enables us to persevere amidst great adversity. Again, this is why the heart temple is masculine, because regardless of whatever adversity is provided by the great or grand feminine amongst all the chaos in the world, we are still going to exert our, our will upon the world as the heart temple or chaos itself. And chaos will have to bend to our will as we set order. The heart temple is all about ultimately the process, the beginning, the process of bringing things into order, whereas the body temple finalizes the process of order, which is a big deal. All right. Now, naturally, the heart temple's deadly sins are envy and vainglory, which we've discussed plenty of times in the members area in the new season seven, part two. Uh, that's been uh, pretty good. Envy equals addictive uh, covetousness that is fueled by perceived injustice over who deserves what. And vainglory is the perpetual seeking of the spotlight at the expense of respect for other people. The heart temple's living virtues are compassion and modesty, which we've discussed heavily as well. Compassion being choosing to see the sources of pain, misery, and incompleteness in other people's lives instead of focusing only on the enviable things they possess. So it's really all about fulfillment at the end of the day. Um, which we'll talk about in a second. And then there's modesty, which is having enough regard for other people to realize that they're worthy of the spotlight as well. Modesty also reminds the heart temple types that they are imperfect and still have much room to grow and improve. The heart temple oscillates between envy and compassion and between vainglory and modesty, always seeking the macro origin or vehicle of passion, which folks we've talked about plenty. So the two origins of passion within the heart temple are satisfaction and reverence, right? They exist in yin and yang equilibrium and uh, are shared between the four types of all the heart temple. 
So like if you're ENTP ISFJ, you care about satisfaction the most. If you care, you crave it the most. If you care, uh, if you're an INTJ ESFB, you, you care about reference, which is like a deep respect and you crave that uh, the most. I also crave reference, but it's a secondary trait. I want satisfaction first and then reverence, et cetera. Uh, and that's, that's where it comes from. And that's how we're able to be uh, passion. So basically satisfaction plus reverence equals passion. That's literally it. And if you think about it, satisfaction and reverence being, wait a minute, this is the uh, vehicle that, of which life is created and destroyed. I'm a bringer of life or a bringer of death. Fantastic. You know, so Satisfaction and reverence cannot be present within the same person at the same time. Reverence is as, is absent satisfaction and vice versa. This is why the satisfaction-seeking dyad is drawn to the reverence-seeking dyad. They complete each other. I mean, that's just kind of how it is within any relationship, right? Um, so, but yeah, for more on the origins of passions, uh, just make sure you guys check out the Season 7 Part 2 Deadly Sins Lectures. That's really important. Also, sorry, I'm going through this really quick, guys. Just the sun is getting in the way. So, but yeah. Um, dang, the grass is uh, not green at all. Okay. Um, so, what is envy as an expression of passion, right? So, envy fills the heart temple with a burning sense of injustice. Envy is a response to the passion in other people's lives where the heart temple feels justified in their spite towards others for what they have. That spite is passionate. No one is more no more spiteful than an ISFJ or an ENTP. That's that's for sure. We are so spiteful. It's disgusting. Like, really disgusting. Like, it's a huge, huge problem. Is it wrong that I have the opening, the opening song to, like, Bleach going off in my head right now? <laughs> like, the first one from, like, season one. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know why that's the case. So... Another thing about spite, like, you know, we talk about the poles within the uh, the, the deadly sin of uh, envy uh, in season seven, part two in the members area. That's really important because malevolence is basically, you know, it's the shadow pole, but it's also where we are getting that aspect of um, spite, basically. That's where it's coming from. That's where the spite is. So vainglory is an expression of passion. Uh, so vainglory is an, is an abundance of self-passion. It is an obsession with one's image with the regard that can be extracted uh, from others and a burning desire to be elevated above the rest, which we talked about heavily in the vainglory lecture. Compassion is an expression of passion as well. And then uh, compassion comes uh, from the Latin term compati, which means to suffer with. The heart temple types can find passion when they walk in the suffering of others in as much as they can walk in the suffering of their own as well. And part of their purpose is revealed when they learn how to alleviate that suffering and ultimately provide healing for others. That's the thing. It's really hard for me as a heart temple, a crusader, to find healing for myself. And I really only can if I help bring healing to other people. It's really only within that context that I'm actually even able to do that. So that's also something to consider if you think about it. And then modesty as an expression of passion. It's a willingness to let passion be shared with others. It is when they share the regard they seek for themselves with others. It's when they send their passion to others so those people can be lifted up. 
it's like, you know, you, you finally understand, you finally are able to get deep respect from other people. And you finally realize that, oh, I get deep respect from people when I am submissive enough to show respect for others. So in turn, those people are respecting me and being respectful of me. And then you're going out of your way to help other people become respected as well or be regarded as well. You know, that's that's ultimately what modesty does, you know, as a living virtue uh, compared to vainglory within. And then it becomes a passion, actually, for INTJs and ESFPs to actually lift up other people, especially later in their life. So the macro nature of the heart temple, as the heart temple represents the collective introverted intuition and extroverted feeling for humanity, the collective process for perception and output uh, for judgment, the heart temple ultimately wants to be free, okay, which that's what, that's what makes it the most masculine, and to help alleviate the suffering uh, or the extroverted feeling, you know, in others' lives. The ISFJ, for example, even though they have NI demon, are looking for passion and direction from others so that they could feel comfortable enough to be free themselves and be willing to take risks. And that's one of the reasons why they're not willing to free themselves until they've gone out of the way to free others, etc. Um you know, and I guess, I guess an example that would be like in uh, the movie, The Matrix, Morpheus talks about how he could only free other people once, you know, once his mind was free, he worked really hard to free other people's minds because he felt that it was his duty to do so. And that duty that he gave himself was ultimately his passion, right? So, all right, cool. So the heart temple interaction with the other temples. So the heart temple sits in orbit with the soul temple, uh, reflection with the body temple, and axis with the mind temple. And remember, this is very macro. So because it's macro, it doesn't work the same as our micro four sides of the mind do within our own heads. This is like if you have, you have to look at the entire human race as a whole in order to be able to come to these conclusions. So orbit with the soul temple's introverted intuition plus expert feeling um, is less than or, or is greater than or equal to uh, Extroverted intuition plus introverted feeling, which is ultimately the macro orbit. And then you want to look at reflection in the body temple. That is introverted intuition plus extroverted feeling uh, is interchangeable with introverted sensing and extroverted thinking on macro reflection. And access with the mind temple, which is introverted intuition plus extroverted feeling, is equal to or greater than extroverted sensing plus introverted thinking, which equals the heart is in the superego position with the mind, but it's also still in axis itself. So, so anyway, just like the four sides of the mind must be developed for cognitive integration, the four temples within oneself must be developed and expressed for temple integration. So like, so yes, you are the heart temple if you're ENTP, ISFJ, INTJ, ESFP, but still each of the four sides of your mind is still attached to a specific temple in of its own right. Right. So like you can look at an ENTP with, you know, like with, with like, a, well, it just it just depends. Like when you look at, you know, orbit, reflection and axis, you know, the body temple ultimately would be like the shadow of, you know, for example, an ENTP. Right. Whereas the mind temple uh, would end up being the subconscious. So and, and the. Or. Maybe it's this, the soul temple. Sorry, I'm really exhausted and I'm tired. <laughs> so, um, 
soul is always subconscious to the mind's heart is always uh so it's excuse me so the body temple is the subconscious of the heart the shadow of the heart is the soul temple and the superego of the soul temple is the mind temple basically and i guess that would make sense especially when you look at like an intj with that isfj insane you know justice they're all about destroying legacy you know when they're using their isfj superego within within that context so Hard temple types need to, you know, engage in learning in their life as they grow and reach heart temple integration. But the the tenets that they need to learn to actually accomplish this are the following. A person's passion is directly influenced by who they are and how well they understand themselves. Passion and identity are ultimately inseparable. Uh, passion is fickle unless it leads to concrete action. Letting the passion infuse you to build things is an essential testing ground for whether the passion runs deep enough also. How many heart temple types believed someone loved them until it came time for that person to act on that love and they betrayed the heart temple? You know, like, see, that's the thing, like action at the end of the day proves passion. How can you be passionate without having action? Why, why else do you think it's written that faith without works to prove that faith is dead? Are you actually going to prove your, prove your passion? The only way to prove your passion is by making an NI decision. You actually have to make a decision. This is especially difficult for ISFJs to do because they have to be comfortable in their decision-making before they make a decision. And that's really hard on them. Like, how do they, how do they handle that? That could be a big deal. So please be aware of that, that risk. That's ultimately a risk. Um, you, if, in, if you're around someone who's hard temple, but you don't see them proving their passion without concrete action, just stay away from them. They're likely toxic people. They're the opposite of integrative. They're the opposite of mature. They are they are immature. And that's one of the ways that you can detect immature heart temple people as a result. The next point is the ability to use, express, and incite passion in self and others is in direct proportion to understanding how to do so. So NI and SE in axis. Integration of the mind temple perspective is the hardest for the heart temple. Think about it what two things like like you know you have that you have it you have one you have the devil on your shoulder and you got your angel on the shoulder telling you different things you know what actually really conflicts with people mentally you know the soul naturally conflicts with the body but of course the heart is always going to conflict with the mind so it makes perfect sense right we, we already know this fundamentally as human beings on a day-to-day -day basis we just never actually spent the time to explore why that was the case. You know, we use it in our language and our colloquialisms all the time. But the reality of the situation is, it's just, it's really just coming from our innate, you know, collective unconscious knowledge that every human being carries with us. It's like, it's like it's genetic memory. We already know that the heart is always in conflict with the mind. That's why they are basically, you know, opposite of each other. Um, you know, uh, ultimately within axis of each other right not orbit orbit requires that that relationship axis is going the other direction right because there's conflict there so integration of the mind temple perspective is the hardest for the heart temple types but yields the biggest return for example being seductive requires education on how to be seductive right so the more you invest in the how to do things as a heart temple person the more understanding you get, the happier you'll be, the better you'll actually be able to, uh, you know, get through life and win through life, etc.
So the best, most refined passion occurs when the heart is in unity with the soul, mind, and the body. But make no mistake, folks. Remember primary and secondary. As heart temple, it is your job to be an example to the rest of humanity that it is okay for humanity to show special treatment because through special treatment, that's how we are able to have love. Without special treatment, if everything was fair, there's no such thing as love. Thus, there's no such thing as life because life can't exist without love. And that's the reality. That's the reality of the situation. This is why the heart temple ultimately are the bringers of death and also the bringers of life. They literally walk around with the power of life and death. Why else do you think it is written that the tongue carries the power of life and death? And it is the tongue from which people can speak passionately. That's the truth. Anyway, folks, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all those amazing things. Thank you all for the live audience uh, tonight joining in and uh, watching. I hope you guys uh, really enjoyed this lecture and uh, learned something, learned something valuable. So, yeah, folks, uh, with all that being said, see you guys later.